Welcome back again to our Sunday night teaching time, a series on the parables, lessons from heaven for life on earth. This is uh, part 15 in the parables and a really interesting parable tonight on a different subject. The title of this is Degrees of Reward and Punishment When Jesus Comes Again. The parable is found in Luke chapter 12, 35 to 48. We won't tonight get into the degrees of reward and punishment. It's an interesting part of the parable. We'll probably get to that next Sunday night. So you might want to bookmark that because that's an unusual subject that Christians don't have a lot of uh, perception of. And I want to look at it. So tonight, part one of this parable, Luke 12, 35 to 48. Get a Bible. Let's study together. Luke 12, 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. We've heard that before in parables. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, and this is strange, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. The master's going to serve. Interesting. 38. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, so now Jesus is switching parables right in the middle of the story. Not a master from a wedding feast, now it's a thief. 39, know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. Now, this isn't parable. This is Jesus talking about his second coming. You must also be ready, verse 40, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So the disciples are listening to this, and Peter said, 41, Lord, are you telling this parable for us, the disciples, or for all, for everybody listening? 42, and the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, Jesus is still speaking, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know, listen, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Wow. 47. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a, listen, Severe beating. 48. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. 
Okay, severe beating, 47, light beating, 48. Degrees of reward and punishment? Jesus explains. Last part of verse 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. Much and much. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Well, it's, it's quite a parable. It'll take two weeks to cover it. The verses technically don't form one parable. I mean, the passage is really kind of a, a loosely fitted string of brief stories, but they're collected around one theme. There, there's the story of household servants awaiting their master's return from a wedding feast. That's in 35 to 38. Then, without any warning, there's this transition, a second warning of being caught unprepared in the story of a thief who breaks into the house while the head of the house is sleeping. That's in 39 and 40. So the disciples are sitting, listening to these two stories, and that's when Peter pipes up, verse 41. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everybody? He's confused. So so Peter wants to know, okay, this state of unpreparedness, this idea of not being ready, is that a possibility? Peter wants to know, is that a possibility for me too or just the general crowd? Can, can we disciples, can we be caught off guard like this? Is this just for the crowd? Or, or Peter says, are you, are you talking to me? And then finally, and at least partially in response to Peter's question, there comes, there comes the story of four different servants. Now, it's a different, different story again. As he answers Peter, there's this story of four different servants at different stages of readiness or unreadiness on the return of their master. That's in 42 to 48. So it's really an involved passage, and that's why it'll take two weeks to kind of look at it. That's the basic flow. The parables, all of them, they follow immediately on the heels. We just looked at this parable, the teaching of the fool. These parables follow that parable. That teaching on the fool who tore down his old barns to build bigger ones, that's in 15 to 21 of this chapter. This wealthy farmer who just lived purely for himself, stockpiling his wealth. And so Jesus gave this clear example of a person who had so fixed his attention on the things of this world that he was totally unprepared, remember, for the fact that God said, tonight your soul's required of you, and he's not ready. So it fits into this ready, unready theme. Then in verse 31, if you have your Bible there, Jesus urges all his disciples to give diligence to, we know these ideas, seek first his kingdom. Seek his kingdom first. Everything else will be added to you. So the pursuit of Material things and power and pleasure, they can just distract the heart of being ready for Jesus. And that's why he tells these additional stories on the same theme. So in this story, Jesus approaches this subject of alertness. 
readiness. And he does so from two different angles. We'll just look at one of them tonight. First, he gives encouragement to those who will be faithful and alert and ready. He does that in verses 35 to 38. Encouragement. And then Jesus gives warning. He always does that to those who are negligent and not prepared for his coming. And he does that in 39 to 48. So what we're going to look at now, that's a lot of background, I know. What we're going to look at now is uh, the encouragement. Three basic areas. This is point number one. Three basic areas of readiness for the second coming of Jesus. When you think of being ready for the second coming of Jesus, Jesus himself says there are three things that make a person ready. That's what we're going to be looking at. They're found in Luke 12, 35 to 38. Here's what Jesus says. 12:35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed, see, here's the encouragement, 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, here's the ones that are ready, blessed are those servants. Three areas of readiness followed by the promised blessing of Jesus. So here's the three areas of readiness for the second coming. Here's how you get ready. A, stay dressed for action. I took those words right out of the text. Verse 35a, stay dressed for action. The phrase, it's even more interesting actually in the old King James. I don't use that translation very much. But it says, let your loins be girded. Nobody talks like that anymore. But they do give an interesting picture of the intended meaning when he says, stay dressed for action in 35a. See, people used to wear long robes that literally dragged around on the ground in the dust. They were heavy. They were bulky. They were cumbersome. But there was also a heavy leather belt worn around the waist. And the encouragement here is to make sure that the the bulk, the weight of that garment was tucked in and secured in that waist belt so to be out of the way when there's sudden and quick movement. It's actually the same thought Paul had in mind in that tricky little phrase. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 6.15. He says, as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace as shoes for your feet. We talk about the armor in Ephesians 6. The one that people have the most difficulty explaining is this idea, shoes for your feet. The gospel is like shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So stay dressed for action. I take that to mean that... Being ready, 
or in Paul's image in Ephesians 6, feet shod with the gospel of peace. Being ready means responding to the gospel isn't just a one-time decision of getting saved or born again or converted. A lot of people think it's just a package. You get saved, there, you've got, you've got the Christian life. You've got the gospel, you're done. The idea here is where Jesus says to, to be ready for his coming, stay dressed for action, is the robes tucked into that belt. The gospel doesn't just save you and remove your sins. It changes the way you travel through life. So real readiness includes not just staying clean. It does include that. It's important. Not just staying clean, but staying quick, active, mobile, constantly on the move to the next thing Jesus has for you in life. The thrust here is service for Jesus, not just staying clean, service for active ministry, mobile, moving, being light on your feet, responsive in this dark world to the next thing Jesus has for you to do. You're listening for it. You're dressed for it. You're alert to it. Think of it as being ready for the next thing God has for you. Think of it as being not too tightly tied to your own future plans and routines. Think of it as being constantly ready to to move into something brand new, dressed and ready for action, ready to go. It gets very practical. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and the rest in this parable, and he's saying, Don't think of yourself as automatically locked into your present life until Jesus comes back. Don't think he might not call you to change your career. What else might Jesus have for you? Who's the next person he wants you to touch with his grace and life? Your house is paid for? Good. What's the next thing? God has for you to do in his kingdom. Remember the parable right before this one? Where Jesus warned in this very chapter, that man that God called a fool, this rich man who when he thought about his future, all he could think about was his stuff and his barns, nothing else. Now hear Jesus saying, If you want to be ready when the master comes back, uh, stay light on your feet. Stay dressed and ready for action, ready to move, ready to change, ready to expand your vision, ready to hear his voice, his call, new horizons. If, If I'm locked into only one way of thinking about my future, if I've never even dared to dream that Jesus might say, Don, it's time for this now then I'm not ready for his second coming. On to the second part of readiness. So dressed, ready for action. B, keep your lamps burning. That's right out of the text, 35B, 1235B. Keep your lamps burning. I don't think it stretches the passage at all to consider 
the two most common themes in the New Testament around this image of a brightly burning lamp. Jesus used that image several times. There are two parts to this image. A lit lamp means two things, not complicated. It means seeing, and it means being seen. It has to do with knowing where you're going in the dark, and it has to do with being seen by others in the dark. I want to look at each of those aspects of a burning lamp, okay? So being ready for Jesus coming requires knowing where you're going in the dark. Later on, in this very parable, there's a servant in verse 48 who's going to receive a beating because he didn't know the master's will. 48. Now, the fact that he's going to be punished means he should have known it. He was responsible for knowing it. The master made his will clear. So, one part of keeping your lamp burning is we have to open our eyes and look around. The the world is growing. Boy, watch the news. It's growing more and more confused and dark week by week. And you and I are called not just to adjust to the darkness. We're called to penetrate the darkness with the light of solid, fixed, revealed biblical truth. We know the truth. This is the idea of Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. That's it. A light to my path. Knowing where you're going, that's the first part of what it means to have lamps lit and burning. Or look at 2 Peter 1.19. And we have something more sure, Peter says. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention, listen, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So this is the first part of what it means to have your lamps lit and burning. It means seeing in the dark, seeing in the dark, knowing where you're going. Learn while you're young, if you can. Learn to live by the book. Learn that truth is absolute. It's not relative. Right and wrong are in the hands of a creator, holy God, not in the poles and standards of the masses. Righteousness doesn't change with hairstyles. So, lamps burning and bright means seeing in the dark, knowing the truth, knowing where you're going. But it means something else. It means also being seen in the dark. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, look, let your light, there it is again, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, so our very as children of the light, that's what we're called, having your lamps burning means seeing, knowing where you're going in the dark, and secondly now being seen. Our presence in this world is to be like salt. Our, our presence in this world is to keep the world from becoming darker than it already is. Our actions and our presence and our words are to be such that 
people will be less comfortable with their sin when we're around. It's easy to get it all backwards. There's this pressure to conform rather than expose the darkness. Do not be conformed, Romans 12, 2. J.B. Phillips' old translation, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's a great way to put it. So, so being seen, this part, it means don't be easily intimidated by peer pressure. The third aspect of readiness, dressed, ready for action, quick to move into what God is calling you. Lamps lit, seeing in the dark with the light of truth and being seen in the dark as witnessing to the truth. And now the third aspect of readiness for Jesus coming. Being ready for the second coming of Jesus means fighting fatigue and weariness. I get that in that 38th verse. But if he, the master, comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, they have to be awake. Blessed are those servants. It's easy to read that without thinking it through. The end of the third watch is close to three in the morning. Everything, everything is tougher to do at 3 a.m. Time drags. Weariness is there. Vision can grow slack. That the same tasks that you could approach with freshness at 10 in the morning don't feel quite as easy at 3 in the morning. So, so don't miss what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's really relevant. Peter said, are you talking to us? Yeah, Peter, yes. Jesus says, being prepared for his return means confronting those times of weariness with understanding and patience and persistence. Paul says, Paul says there's in season and there's out of season. They don't feel the same but the call stays the same. Other scriptures teach the same truth in different ways. This is a big theme. Sometimes there are great seasons of ingathering, harvest in your walk with the Lord. Other times, there's sowing. That means don't, don't just over-glamorize it. Sowing means you're you don't seem to be getting anything back for your efforts, at least not yet. You still do the work. You still expend the energy. You still get up early. You stay up late. The workload isn't lightened, but you don't, you don't have the returns yet. Three in the morning. Eternity is harvest time. It's easy to get it mixed up. There are so many voices in books, TV, websites that, that want you to believe. Some of the worship courses that we sing are just so triumphalistic. Like you get everything right now, this glorious package, and the world has changed, and you're changed, and everything's going to be great. The church is ridden with this idea. This idea that every blessing of my Christian life comes right now in the present age, you don't get that from Jesus. It's not true. 
My Bible says I'm a stranger here. That's what it said. It says I'm a pilgrim here. It says I'm totally devoted to the reward of another coming kingdom. That's where my whole life is aimed. I don't have to have it all right now. As a Christian, the biggest mental confrontation I have with the spirit of the age is that everyone around me right now, everyone around me clamors for the fulfillment of their privileges and their rights, and they want it here and they want it now. Christian lives for another age entirely. If you don't do everything in your walk with Jesus, with this understanding, if everything you invest in obedience must have immediate payback here and now, in order for you to stay diligent, you're never going to be ready for the second coming. You'll grow weary. You'll feel like a loser and you'll quit. Here's the encouragement of the scriptures. We're almost done now. Galatians 6, 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption eventually. He can't win. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, he will reap eternal life. Not always immediately. It's, it's like sowing and reaping. It takes a while. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Same idea. I just want to show you that this isn't some light theme in the scripture. It's a big theme. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you have the testimony of all those in Hebrews 11 and their faith who didn't get what they were looking for right away, had to wait. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, let us run with endurance. It's not a quick sprint. It's a long race. Let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why, why are we to consider him? So that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. So let's wrap up. Here's the review. Three elements of readiness for the second coming. Three ways to be ready. That's what we've been looking at. First, be constantly dressed in readiness to move quickly to whatever is on the Lord's agenda next. Don't be locked in. Don't view your life as boxed in. Stay dressed and ready for action, ready to move. Second, have your mind filled with the light of God's revealed truth to counteract the influence of this dark world. Just refuse, just refuse to be shaped by the presence of the spirit of the age. Cut through the fog of relativism. Keep your lamp burning bright so you can see in the dark and you can be seen in the dark. Third, fight weariness and fatigue, recognizing the difference between times of sowing and times of reaping. 
Be ready if it's three in the morning. Don't quit every time the devil tells you to quit. Learn what David meant when he said, we, we wait in hope for the Lord. And next week, I want to look at this idea of degrees of punishment. It's not all going to be the same for everybody when Jesus comes again. Let's pray. Your word is, it's a big book with big truth, solid truth for our lives. It is so easy for all of us to live for this present age, to believe in the second coming as a doctrine, but not to be looking for it and aiming at it. Change us with your word. Help none of us to consider himself or herself finished a complete work. We want to be dressed and ready for action. For the next thing you have, we're ready to go. Bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Don't forget World Impact Sunday. It's just the biggest thing that our church does right here in the sanctuary. November 14th, we have live missionaries that are going to be here. Some videos, question and answer, and a challenge to our church. Every penny that we raise, we're going to try and raise a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash. Send it all out, every penny, to take the gospel around the world. So plan on being with us next Sunday, 10 a.m. God bless the church. And don't forget about Wednesday. We meet every Wednesday, 7 o'clock, in person, right here in the sanctuary. Join us for that as well. Love one another, church. God bless.